Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man, the podcast where we talk about Spider-Man, hosted by Kevin Hines and his older brother, much, much older brother. Jeez Louise. Will Hines. Shot across the bow right as we open up. Hey, it's Um, been a while since we've recorded one of these, you've gotten much older since we've last recorded. Just because I age at a different rate than you is... No, you know, we were cursed as children by a really whimsical and arbitrary wizard. Yeah, I was your older no, brother when we were for children. For a long time. Yeah, for a while. And you've passed me and you're continuing on towards yeah. death at a rapid I just, pace. I just turned 160 years old. Yeah. And, and you were way, you were 40-something last time we recorded, right? That's right, yeah. It's increasing it's been rough, exponentially. It's been a rough couple of months. Yeah, well, we wanted um, to get one in before you turned 200. I appreciate that because I'm already I'm, I'm aging out of like even caring about comic books like you crazy kids with your rock and roll and your comics like I, I, I can't relate to you don't you don't know what it's like you don't know yeah, what's what happening like. is your birth is getting earlier yeah I, so yeah, my then memory, you grew up you grew up in like the aughts or whatever yeah you don't know what it's like to go down to the saloon and like listen to Teddy Roosevelt on the wireless uh, today's episode we're talking about uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the new animated film that just came out in theaters uh, this past weekend when we were recording. So that would be, what, December 14th? That's right. December 14th was the release date. Yeah, this is a special episode. Yes. In the, ori- in the original run of this podcast, we discussed the original Spider-Man comic book issues done by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. But we've had a couple of special episodes, like Stan Lee just passed on um, a month ago. And so we did a special episode about him. And now this is kind of like, you know, the Spider-Man movie is big Spidey news. And so we're doing a special episode about it. Yes. We're just excited to talk about it. And so we're doing sort of a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. We plan to do one more bonus episode, right, Will? We're going to do one on the game also, the the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 video game that came out a couple months ago. And I have become obsessed with, unfortunately. uh, So we're going to do an episode on that next time. It was a game we said we would never discuss on the podcast because neither of us would play it. And then we yeah. both bought PlayStations and played the game. <laughs> and now we're going to record an episode on it. <laughs> Not only are we going to do an episode, it's taken over my life. It's like, it's it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah. For you, it's real bad. It's real I, bad. Uh, yeah. Luckily, you, you, I have a child that keeps me from being completely subsumed. Well, you're lucky because it might suck you in. Um, I mean, I'm not even sure I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it so compulsively that I'm not sure it's good. <laughs> well, that'll be our next episode. But today yeah. we're going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse, and we're going to yeah. do it in two sections. Um, yeah. the, fir- the first part will be spoiler-free or spoiler-light. Yeah, um, we're gonna, the first section will be, if you've seen the trailer, then we're going to talk about anything you could gather from the trailer. Yes, and, and our general gonna, reactions. Yep, yeah, and then we're going to get into the heavy spoiler section where we give everything away but we'll give you we'll give you a warning when we're heading into that yeah uh so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to listen to this listen and then we'll tell you when to stop listening yep uh i mean if you really want the trailer to be a surprise i guess stop listening to this now because uh yeah um if you're one of those people who doesn't like to see know anything about a movie before going in then this is not an episode for you you don't don't listen to this um so uh Okay, so should we begin? Let's we just talk. What, what is the movie, Kev? Tell us, tell us what we're talking about here. So this is the first movie based on the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which is an alternate Spider-Man that Brian Michael Bendis created uh, with uh, Sarah Pacelli. With Sarah Pacelli uh, in the Ultimate Universe, initially they killed yeah. off Peter Parker and replaced him with Miles Morales. Uh, sort of to make the Ultimate Universe feel different and exciting compared to the regular Marvel comics, mm-hmm. and also to introduce, you know, some much much needed diversity in the in in and putting it in the like franchise character. Yeah, uh, your number one your number one character. Like you can't do that in the Marvel Universe permanently. Right. You could do that in the Ultimate Universe and make it permanent. Yeah. Um, since then, the Ultimate Universe has ceased to exist, and Miles Morales is now just another Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe, which I think hurts him a little bit, um, what you can do with him. But he's still a really cool character, still resonates with people. And when they were making this animated movie, uh, Chris Lord and... Uh, what's the other guy's name? I'm thinking McKay, but that's not right. Rodney Rothman? Are you talking about... Oh, uh, the, guy, the guys who produced this movie. Chris Miller. Lord Miller. That's what it is. Chris Miller, yeah. 
um, they produced this movie. And I think they said if they're going to make a Spider-Man movie, they wanted to make it about Miles Morales to really separate it from the live action Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this is a Miles Morales movie. It's also animated. It's animated. And it introduced the concept of the Spider-Verse to the movies, which is basically alternate universes. So we have alternate types of Spider-Man. Yeah, all teaming up. Yes. And, and so we're seeing Miles Morales as Spider-Man dealing with Spider-Man from other universes as they team up to fight the... That's right. And uh, it focuses on Miles first. The uh, The other Spider characters are secondary mm-hmm. supporting characters. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's beautiful, first of all. Yeah, let's get into what... So what would you think? I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, I had pretty high expectations. Yes, you're notoriously fussy about Spider-Man. Yes. I had very high expectations, and some of them were met, some of them were not, but I really enjoyed it, despite any, like, piddly details. You have some reservations and things you want to get off your chest, but you think this is a good movie. Yeah, I think anyone... Well, I think most people enjoy it. I'd really love to talk to somebody who doesn't... I I have only heard from people who love (laughs) Spider-Man. Right. I'm curious with somebody who's sort of like indifferent, not, likes not superheroes, but not a huge Spider-Man fan thinks about yeah. it. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, somebody who's Spider-Man neutral. Yeah. What do they think of the film? Like, I'm you, curious, like what my wife would think or a kid who's just discovering Spider-Man would think. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things. And I don't know. Uh, I think they would enjoy it, though. I think it's it's so fun and silly. Yeah. Uh, at parts that I think that would carry them through. And I think it's pretty clear uh, I know a guy whose company worked on like the music, like the soundtrack. Okay. Nice, and, good, good name drop. And they had a screening, an early screening of the movie for everyone who worked there to see. Like it wasn't quite finished, and they left going, "Oh, this might be too complicated." Oh, interesting. But I don't know if any of those people, this guy I, I'm talking about, is not a Spider-Man fan, right? Uh, so I, I, so I don't know. And also, it was an early version, like that they made some changes since then, right? So who knows? Uh, and that was like their worry. Their worry that was that people would see this movie and be like, eh, I don't, I can't follow it. And I, yeah, it felt pretty easy to follow to me, but of course I know it inside and out. So it's hard for me to judge that. And as a sci-fi fantasy fan, you're sort of very comfortable with the idea of like multiverses. Like you can track that pretty easy. Yeah. If there's not a multiverse in a story that throws me more. <laughs> you need a multiverse. Yeah. You assume a multiverse, even if it's not talked about. I need multiple layers to any story I'm I'm watching. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm comfortable in the genre. I'm comfortable with the character. I I like animated films a lot. Yeah. So anything that might disconnect people, I had no such such issues with. I was just sort of like, I'm all in on all that stuff. Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who's Spider-Man neutral. Like, I do this Beatles podcast, and one of the things I do is I play Beatles albums for a friend of mine who just doesn't really care about the Beatles. He's not against them. He doesn't. He, he likes them okay, but he's not like a Beatles fan. And I see what he thinks, and it's always fascinating to see like what he reacts to and what doesn't hit him and what does. Um, and I would uh, it'd be something interesting to know a similar type of fan. Yeah, somebody who's like maybe gone to like a couple of the Marvel movies, but doesn't feel the passion to see all of them or most of them. Your wife would your wife would be an interesting candidate for this yeah. task. Robert Downey Jr. is not in it, so that'd be a knock against it. <laughs> yeah, so like hopefully that, but... it would overcome that. Um, I'm gonna say I love this movie. Uh, I, I think I do. I tend to be an easy audience for movies. Let me say, if I go to the theater, I tend to like them. I tend to be more forgiving than the general average opinion. So bear that in mind when I say this. I walked out of the showing of it. I saw it last Friday, <laughs> thinking it was so incredible. I mean, I was I was walking on air after the screening, and I was like, "This is the best Spider-Man movie ever. This may be the best superhero movie ever. One of the best anime." I mean, I was like, head over heels. Now the I mean, now just to put some context in that, when you saw the movie Independence Day, <laughs> the Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> Aliens Attack Earth movie, yeah, what did you say while watching that movie? Halfway through that movie, I turned to was it you or Brian? It was Brian our other brother, Brian, and said, this might be the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fine movie. I, I, I want to say I calmed down a little bit by the end of that showing. Like I, <laughs> I realized that I was crazy. But yeah, I, I can get swept up. I can get swept up. So, and, I, and, I, and, and I have subsided a little bit since the screening. 
I, I love this movie. That hasn't changed. I think this is a great movie. Definitely, if you are a Spider-Man fan, you're going to love it. I think there's like no way you won't love it. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think even if you're just a open to superhero movies in general, you're going to love it. I'm not sure if it would transcend people who are just annoyed by how many superhero movies there are. I'm not sure about that. Although maybe, and I, and I definitely think it is um, a really, really strong adaptation of the Spider-Man mythology. And it gets a lot of things right, especially in terms of the spirit and the feel. Um, and it deserves to be in the conversation of one of the great Spider-Man adaptations. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. Like, uh, Yeah, I think if you've enjoyed any of the Spider-Man movie, you're going to enjoy this one. And there are certain things that it does, I think, better than a lot of them um, because it's animated and because of the sense of humor and sensibility of uh, the Lord and Miller sort of like sensibility. Uh, it emphasizes certain things very well. Um, you know, no, no, no Spider-Man, yeah, no Spider-Man movie can do everything that the mythology has done over its time, but there are certain things that it does like super. It is for sure funnier than any Spider-Man movie. Yeah. But I wouldn't call it like a flat out like comedy. Right. You know, it, this there's sad moments. There are serious moments. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like a Pixar movie in that sense, right? Like, it's like, sometimes you're laughing, sometimes you're excited. Uh, it's like Incredibles level yes. yeah. of storytelling. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was very moved at certain parts. I was very saddened. Um, I was super invested in the characters. Uh, I mean, it's great. You got to see it. Um, I, I actually didn't know a ton about Miles Morales. Uh, I've like read Wikipedia pages about him, you know, and, uh, sure. and I've like looked at art, but I've never like read the comics. Um, I've, as I just said, become obsessed with the Spider-Man video game, and Miles Morales is a character in that video game. Um, pretty different, a pretty different version of pretty, Miles. Pretty different version, but I still had some emotional association with the idea of Miles Morales because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I loved his story, and I loved the characters around his story in this movie. Um, so um, I think that's cool. I think I think like this movie has will bring Miles into the mainstream. The, into the mainstream Spider-Man mythos. You know, he elevates from a, oh, you got to be a comic book fan to really know Miles, to like, oh, Miles is part of the story. You know, if you're a casual Spider-Man fan, you know about Miles Morales. I very strongly want a second movie. I want more Miles. Um, I would love a second one that was not Spider-Verse-y. Yeah. Where he could just sort of really, really take focus. I don't know if that will be yeah. the case. I know they are planning a sequel, um, but I'm, I'd be very excited to, to really, really, really dig into Miles as a hero. This whole movie is basically his birth as a hero. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's his origin story. And I, I thought I was tired of origin stories, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, we'll get a little bit more into that with a spoiler. Oh, spoiler. Part we'll of get our into podcast. that. Yeah. Um, so another thing um, that you know from the trailer, if you watch the trailer, I feel like we're allowed to talk about trailer stuff here yes. and the non-spoilery thing. As you said, you see these alternate versions of Spider-Man. So Miles yes. Miles meets Peter Parker, which is the Spider-Man that we know. He's another main character in this yes. story. And he also meets um, sillier versions of Spider-Man. Like there's a pig version called Spider-Ham yes. uh, that you see in the trailer and who he deals with. There's a black and white film noir version of Spider-Man. There's a Spider-Man noir. Spider-Man noir. There's Spider-Gwen, which is the girl in the white hoodie version there's an anime version of spider-man um, yeah and some of these are from the comic right like there was a comic book spider-verse they are all from the comic at least a little bit um how do you like that answer uh i i love it so what, what's the comic book version that this movie came came it's was that a couple things there's a dance lot story called the spider-verse that really has nothing else in common with this other than all these characters were in it um, that one centered around Peter Parker okay. and it was against a, uh, a villain of, uh, um, a group of villains that were traveling the multiverse killing Spider-Man characters. And so all the Spider-Mans basically team up to stop them. Okay. And that's, that's that story. And that's, you know, and these characters are all in it playing varying levels of parts. It's where Spider-Gwen was introduced to comics as well as the anime one, who I believe is like just called spider. Okay. With like 
ones for eyes or something. Uh, I forget what her name is. Okay. Um, but she was introduced in that story as well. Spider-Man Noir already existed. Oh, I didn't know As that. well as Spider-Ham already existed at that point. Spider-Ham I knew because he's from when we were kids. There was a Spider-Ham comic. Yes. So they all sort of, uh, and like lots of other Spider-Mans show up uh, in this uh, storyline. Uh, including Miles Morales. I don't remember if the Ultimate Universe had merged with this Marvel Universe at that point. Uh, in an- might have. In anticipation. But either way, like, they were both in it, both Miles and Peter. In anticipation of this movie, I, like, looked up on Wikipedia about that Spider-Verse story, and there's some, like, Spider-Man Wikipedia out there. And I guess, you know, in passing, you see all kinds of alternate Spider-Men. You know, a lot of them yes. are not explored that much. You maybe just see a, right. a, a look at them or something. And this site, and some like, are just mentioned in passing if like they couldn't get the rights to them. Um, in the, so, in, like, in, uh, the, in the comic turn book. off the dark, the turn off the dark Spider-Man is just sort of mentioned. Oh, that's very funny. Or and, yeah. and Aunt May Spider-Man, where Aunt May gets spider powers, is mentioned. You're speaking of Spider-Ma'am. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's in it as well. There's also one where Uncle Ben becomes Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, here's a. We, we've talked about this in this podcast before, but like the idea of alternate versions of the hero, like the alternate, that's a, that's a comic book trope. Like that happens a yes. fair amount. Um, and it comes from, I think from a couple of places, like some of the main ancestors of the alternate universe hero thing are like when uh, Marvel and DC had to deal with the fact that they had a 1940s group of heroes and then their 1960s group of heroes I basically think of the Flash of Two Worlds as one of the like yes. grandfathers of the story, which is like DC Comics had a character called the Flash in the '40s, which was a dude with a silver bowl for a hat, uh, yeah. and who, Jay Garrick. Yeah, and he was like a superhero, and then they you know, that kind of left, and then they created the new Flash, which is the one that we're more familiar with, Barry Allen in the skin tight red suit with the lightning bolts over his ears, and then they decided, mm-hmm. oh, maybe these guys can meet, and they they did some like crossing alternate dimension story where both flashes meet that happened in the sixties, the flash of two worlds, I think it's called. Yes. Uh, that's where they first met. And like, there was also two green lanterns, two very different atoms. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so they Superman existed in both worlds. Right. So uh, I believe Batman existed in both worlds. So there was this idea of two different earths in the DC universe. And like the yes. justice league was in one and the justice society was in the other. And if you were like a comics nerd, it became kind of fun to be familiar with the differences between these two worlds. One was basically Golden Age and one was Silver Age, then the newer one. Yeah. And I think the Golden Age, they kept aging too. I think like Batman had retired at some point. Yeah, and Superman and had, Robin had, Superman had over. gray streaks in his hair, right? Yes, that's right. So that was kind of fun. And then in the 1980s, Marv Wolfman, the comic book writer, who you were on a podcast with, kind of. Sort of, yeah. We shared a podcast. Not uh, he was recorded months earlier. <laughs> yes, but you were both the guests recorded separately on an episode. Recently. Yeah, it was very funny to be announced at the end. Was like thanks to my guest Kevin Hines and Marv Wolfman. I'm like, ooh, that's an imbalance. Uh, yeah, Marv, one of the com- you know, one of the giants of uh, the comic book world, who's written so many amazing stories in the 70s and 80s and other times. But in the 1980s, DC did a story called Crisis on Infinite Earths, where um, it was Marv's idea which is like, oh, you know, it's gotten very complicated, all these like alternate histories. And to be a fan of DC Comics is a lot to keep track of. What if we did a cosmic event that merged all the realities into one and we killed some of the characters and got rid of some of the other ones? And, and it was like a big, you know, year-long series mm-hmm. where super nerdy that they like that they like merged all these realities into one. And like Supergirl died in that story. Right, and I think the old Flash died or something like that. Barry Barry Allen died. Oh, Barry Allen died. Good heavens. Yeah, they killed Barry Allen. Wally West took up his mantle at, at, during Crisis. Um, and and that was sort of like if you're a comic book fan, oh, that's like a big alternate universe thing. And then the other yes, um, and uh, not to go too far off a tangent, but the CW TV show has teased that next year's crossover series is called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. So they're doing a version of that. Yeah. So crisis is like a big thing in the imagination of comic book fans. Like that is like a big alternate world story. And if you watch the CW flash, they do stuff with that. They travel all to different earths and stuff like that. And that's cool. I watched the first season, but I haven't watched since then. They get in season two and on, they get deep into alternate earths. Crazy. Um, I mean, that is a comic book. It's a comic book standard. And then the, the other, the other like multiverse 
like ancestor, at least for me, I don't know how much this is for other comic book fans. We've talked about this before, Kevin, is Alan Moore. Like whenever Alan yes. Moore takes over a franchise, at some point he's doing alternate universe versions of that character. It's almost a given. Um, he did it with Captain Britain, where Captain Britain yes. met all the alternate Captain Britons. You talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it with Watchmen in that there is the Watchmen is you have your main Watchmen, but then there's an earlier generation of Watchmen and you compare those two generations. That's not alternate universe, but it's like alternate versions of them. Yeah. Legacy heroes. Yep. Then in he did it with Supreme. Yes. His, uh, right. And super Yeah. Supreme was sort of like a Superman ish character that was uh, published by Rob Leefield for image. And there was like all different types of Supermen, like Supremes yeah, met- basically. He did it with Swamp Thing when he took over the horror character Swamp Thing in the 80s. At one point, Swamp Thing meets a lot of other plant elementals from different parts of the Earth and also different planets. Um, he did it with Green Lantern a lot. Green Lantern, it already exists that there's many Green Lanterns throughout the universe who are like assigned a district. But Alan Moore loved having the different Green Lanterns deal with each other Re- and really like fringy, crazy Green Lanterns. Like He did a story about a Green Lantern who itself is a planet. Uh, yeah, Mogo. Mogo. And um, a lot of that stuff get got has been used recently by DC Comics. So if you read DC Comics now, you've seen a lot of Alan Moore stuff, even if you didn't know it was Alan Moore stuff. My, my favorite Green Lantern he did was he did a Green Lantern who in a universe where there's no sight and no color. So they don't know what the word green is. And a, a, and a ring that emits light has no meaning to them. So they so when they recruit the Green Lantern for this area of the universe, they give him a uh, it's a instead of a ring, it's like a a bell. It makes a sound. Yeah, this character and, was just brought back in the recent Green Lantern comics um, by Grant Morrison. It's a very it's a very fun story. Who famously like the, does not get along with Alan Moore. Oh, I didn't know that. They don't. God, they're uh, so similar. In so Grant Morrison ways. sort of doesn't like Watchmen. I mean, and, I can understand that. And Alan Moore doesn't like that he doesn't like Watchmen. And they oh, think crazy. each other are hacks. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm, I'm exaggerating that. I'm exaggerating it a great deal, but it comes down to like... Aren't they both into witchcraft and they're both from England and they're both like superhero they're both, writers? They're both from England. I don't think Grant Morrison's into witchcraft. Oh, okay. But he, you, 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 he's, they're both weirdos. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, anyway, so when, you know, when I'm watching Spider-Verse or I'm watching any superhero thing that's got alternate universes, I'm thinking about Alan Moore stories and I'm thinking about Crisis. And one I think of that's the one, reason- one of yeah. the Spider Mans in Spider Verse the comic uh, was Spider Man UK, who was the Captain Britain from the universe where Captain Britain was also Spider Man. Oh, cool! Yes, uh, and that's a yeah. costume in the video game. Yeah. So, man, this is where comics get complicated, and I think it's good that this stuff is just Easter eggs yes. in the background that you don't need to know. But if you do know all this stuff, a a lot of comics writers will give little nods to these things. Um, like like you just said, I'm playing the Spider-Man video game. You you unlock all these alternate suits that you're allowed to wear on your Spider-Man avatar. One of them is the Spider-Man UK suit. Looks just like the Captain Britain uniform, which itself had a big alternate universe story. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love stuff yeah. like that. Um, so you can go pretty deep if you want to get all super nerdy on this. But you don't yes. need to know any of that for this movie. No, no, no. Uh, that long 10-minute uh, diatribe about multiple multiple universes is not necessary for Spider-Verse. It's all pretty much in there. Yeah. Um, should we should we cross the spoiler fence? And I think we should do that. We should go into spoilers. So if you're listening right now and have this not is, this seen is your the movie. Warning. And we're probably going to spoil pretty big right away in order to get into some stuff. So like, yeah, I mean, I plan to talk about all aspects of this movie, including the end. Yeah, um, so... So just like... This is the part to listen to if you've already seen the movie and you want to talk about it with us. You've been and warned. by talk about it with us, I mean sit silently while we talk. But we uh, we maintain complete control over the conversation. That's right. So um, okay. So at this point on now, all yeah, you know, all barriers are off. We're going to talk about anything we want to talk about. All right, let's get into it now. Um, that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> After the spoiler warning, I didn't like it. I liked it before the spoilers. <laughs> What, your opinion has totally changed? Yeah, that's right. That's what spoilers <laughs> did to it. Jeez Louise. Um, no. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, well, I was, I was surprised how there's even alternate Peter Parkers. Like, the beginning of the movie, yes. we're dealing with a Peter Parker who's not our Peter Parker. And he's not in the commercials, hair. as far as I know. Yes, it was a big surprise. Like, you're, 
you're you start with a spider-man who is peter parker and he's telling you his story and i assume it's the peter parker i know and then it's revealed that this isn't the peter you find out oh this isn't the peter parker that i know and he gets killed well really neither peter are the peters we know right yes but one of them is i guess that's true one of them's closer i would i think they're both pretty close um, yeah so the first one we meet is very competent he's married to mary jane uh he's got his life together uh, he's sort of a hero everyone loves him uh, but he yeah. gets killed he gets killed like he he is in miles morales's universe they are in the same universe yes and miles is a fan of his he's voiced and, by chris pine yeah which i also didn't know he was involved in this movie i didn't either and when i first heard his voice i was like who is this is this is this jake johnson doing like a different voice yeah and it, we knew, like, i don't we knew think that, so we knew that jake I, johnson from new girl does the voice of the main peter parker of this story yeah and i just it just didn't quite sound like him and then afterwards i looked right. it up and it was chris pine and i was like yes. that's a great casting it's a great I, casting to be a voice of spider-man i totally agree and because uh, he's very funny and he's but so he's also, funny um he's also this he's got that that leading man charisma and yes. the spider-man he plays is the one who has it very together and he's like really good mm -hmm. um yeah so in this movie early on you know, Miles is like a normal kid who's uh, just going to, uh, he's got issues, but he's a normal kid going to a New York school, dealing with his life. And then you, and there is Spider-Man and then Spider-Man gets killed. And um, well, you know, one of the things I was really moved by, this is, you were talking about how funny it is, but how, also how it's moving. In, the, in this Spider-Verse universe, in Miles' universe, when Spider-Man is killed, the city is like devastated. Yes. New York City is devastated to lose Spider-Man. There's like- this, In this universe, Spider-Man has- got it all together and he's a hero he's loved he's not disliked and and there's no j jonah jameson making his life miserable he is the hero of the universe the the world so there's this huge funeral for him and he's buried in trinity church which is like the middle of manhattan which is like revolutionary war heroes are buried there i mean they didn't make too big a deal about that in the movie but when i saw that i was like you don't get buried in trinity church i mean this is like it'd be like for the most beloved president ever would have to be buried there yeah, and Mary Jane spoke at his funeral. And there's like thousands of people gathered. And you see people on the TV seeing the news. And, and Miles is devastated. Miles witnesses yeah. his death and is devastated. Yes. Um, and I, I was impressed at how well that was handled. Like, there's been tons of jokes at that point. But I'm like, oh, this is so sad. And they're really getting it. It is like the one aspect of the movie where I was like, I don't know if kids could handle a movie. There is a fair amount of death in this movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if I call it family friendly. Like, there's not a ton of cursing. It is generally like good guys and bad guys and people acting their best. But yeah, there's intense death and intense violence. I don't, I don't know where the age limit is. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So Peter Parker there's, there's, dies there's not, early there's on. Not, there's not gory death, but it's like a character you become invested in dies, and it's like, oh, it's very sad. Yes, um, um, but I, I, I think it can't be undersold how good Chris Pine was. He's great as a Spider-Man in this movie. Miles gets spider powers he gets bitten by a spider and gains the powers and then he meets this spider-man and when chris pine meets him he immediately says like i'm gonna train you you've got right. my powers i'm gonna help you i'm gonna take you under my wing you're gonna, gonna be okay the, i'm gonna do the right thing but just right now i'm in the middle of the battle as soon as this battle's done we're gonna i'm gonna train you yeah which is also like a really it was a great moment like because miles is sort of freaking out about these powers he doesn't know what's going on and chris pine just says chris pine spider-man says you know i got you don't worry and then he gets yeah. killed and he gets killed like so soon. And it, he seems like he knows he's going to die, right? Like when he gives, he, he hands off, a th the Kingpin is the bad guy of this movie. And the yes. Kingpin is creating technology that, that merges the multiverses. And he's doing it because he's lost his wife and child. And he's trying to bring a version of them back from another universe. Yes. And he inadvertently merges all these universes and unlocks the portal for all these Spider-Men to come. Right. Um, and yes. Kingpin kills Chris Pine's Spider-Man. Chris Pine's about to defeat the Collider, the technology that's bringing this Spider-Verse together, but he loses and Kingpin kills him. Yes. And just before Kingpin kills him, he takes Miles aside and says, you've got to do this. It's up to you now. And it, it looks like a lot he, to throw on the kid. He's just met this kid. And it, and, but it, and the fact that he does that tells me he's like, oh, he knows he's maybe done. Yes. He knows uh, there's a he, good chance he's going to die. And so he hands it off to this kid that he knows has spider powers who, and, um, it's very moving. It's very, it's like it, uh, and you you feel for miles. Yeah. Um, um, but it's a good story choice. Cause you're like, well, what other choice does our hero have? We have to trust miles. That's the only option here. Can we talk about Kingpin for one second? Yes. He He's looks big. so cool. 
He's, he's so big. Enormous. I, I, can we just talk about the look of the movie? The movie, I think, is so beautiful. What did you think as a, as a fan? I thought of it was really great looking. It, it's interesting. Somebody like Kingpin stands out to me because he's such he's so ridiculously big. Yes. And if you had that in a live action movie, he would look stupid. It, yeah, it would look insane. It wouldn't even look right in the comic books, even though he's, he is big in the comic books. He's drawn like sur- surrealistically big. Like, how did he get through that doorway big? Like, his head is a third of the way down his body big. Yeah. But in a cartoon, you can get away with that stuff, and it just looks right. Now, were and you thinking cool? Were you thinking of Bill Sienkiewicz when you saw Kingpin? Oh, I wasn't, but now I am. Because um, Bill Sienkiewicz, yeah. Bill Sienkiewicz is a comic book artist, and in the '80s, he did the New Mutants, and he also did a bunch of Daredevil stories, which where he drew the Kingpin, and Bill Sienkiewicz would paint the art. Um, well, he also he drew for a while, but he went through a phase where he was painting his art. And did it very, very abstract. And so if you read like the original New Mutants comics in the 80s or these charitable stories and Bill Sienkiewicz was the artist, it was a real trippy, dreamlike oil paintings. It's still hard to believe that that was somebody drawing comics in the 80s. The 80s had moments of experimentation. Yeah, there was moments of great experimentation in the 80s. But for a decade that is mostly remembered as being very conservative and safe, especially in comics, they rolled the dice on a couple things big. I mean, it was also coming off a very safe era of Marvel comics where everything had like a like a studio style almost. Yeah. Everything was sort of like a muted Romita style. That's right. Um, um, and, and, and then like yeah, having someone like Sienkiewicz or even Frank Miller uh, is pretty crazy. Or Walt very, Simonson. Yeah, they had very distinct. They were allowed to be distinct. Um, yeah. And so the Kingpin in the Spider-Verse movie looks a lot like the Bill Sienkiewicz stuff in Elektra Assassin. And yeah, when that didn't. Connect, there's, but now that you're saying it, it's for sure true. And there's a point in the movie where we we see a flashback of Kingpin remembering his wife and daughter, and we don't get the whole story, but he's lost them. And when they do that little minor flashback, that is very Sinkevitz. Like it's got to be on purpose. Um, and it's beautiful and really well done. And the whole movie is insanely pretty. I think like just very cool and stylized in a great way. Yeah. The closing credits of this movie blew me away. The closing credits was so like frenetic and manic and beautiful i was like jesus would this even be possible 10 years ago to do a closing credits like this closing credits are great in a lot of movies uh they used to like do these long opening credits for movies with like very stylized or animated things i'm talking about even live action movies and now they tend to put them at the end yeah um you're, you're rewarded like, you want to get right into the movie yeah also like sometimes those credits give away too much of the story yeah and i love them I love him. Yeah, yeah it, it feels like an art form that I can see going away because it doesn't add anything to like this movie's good or bad without that. But I love that stuff. This movie had a lot of just like visual comic book conventions that it would use. Like you'd see speech balloons and captions and panel. Divisions. Yeah, not until Miles gets his powers. Oh yeah, that's right. Not at first. Once he gets his powers, like you start seeing some sound effects show up. Definitely, his thought balloons pop up on the screen. Like panels show up. Uh, stuff that I think Ang Lee wanted to do in the original Hulk movie. Yeah, and it didn't work there. It did not work there. Um, but I think that's what he was trying to do. And in this yes. movie, it works great. It works great. Um, they, you know, when Miles gets his powers, he's very confused and scared. And they use the presence of like captions and speech balloons to kind of represent his inner thoughts in a nice way. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the, it looks beautiful. It's one of the reasons why this movie was so fun. If you're a fan of comic book art, I think you're going to love the way this movie looks. Um, it's very emotional early. There's a lot of dad stuff, dad and son. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Miles' relationship with his dad is really great. And his dad and his relationship to his brother is great. Um, which yes. which one are we, Kevin? Which one of us is the dad and which one of us is the prowler? Yeah. I don't think either of us are the prowler. I'm the prowler. But I guess you have to be because you don't have a kid. I don't have a kid, so... I am the corrupt uncle who will someday try to take care of your son, but I might lead him down a path of crime. I mean, you might, but you also might almost kill him. If the kingpin orders me to, my hands are tied. <laughs> Just, I'd say, don't do it. <laughs> but there is there is a cool relationship between Miles' dad and Miles' uncle, and this is from the comics, yes. um, where his dad is a cop and is a very like well behaved cop, follows the rules, doesn't like Spider Man because Spider Man's a vigilante, i.e., breaking the rules. Um, and the uncle is a more cool, hip, relaxed uncle that Miles goes to to get away from his dad's strictness. Yeah. And then it's revealed that but he's so cool that he doesn't follow the rules and he's a criminal. He's a criminal. It turns out that he is a supervillain who works for the kingpin. Um, 
but he does genuinely love Miles. And he, up until this moment later in the story, he generally wants good things for Miles. And you, yeah. I really love the brother relationship. You can see they've had a falling out. They don't get along. But you can tell that wasn't always true. They seem to have an affection for each other that they're sort of mad they can't do anymore. Yeah, there's a scene where Miles is missing because he's off being Spider-Man. And the dad calls his brother. Aaron. And says, like, look, I, I, I know we don't talk. But I also know Miles goes to you. If you know where Miles is, please send him home. I, I, I'm worried about him. And, and there's a tone in that conversation, which is like, I know you won't let me down on this point. Like, I can, I'll count on you yeah. for this. Yeah. Um, and that's very moving. And you feel for the dad. This, this is, there was a long trend of like bad parents in kids' stories. But ne- I, I always like it better when the parents are doing their best. And Miles' dad is a good dad. Is too stricter than sometimes, but you can tell the love is there. Yeah, um, he's a, he's great in this movie. He's great in this movie. Your heart goes out to him. Um, I mean, the scene is in the trailer, but I laugh every time they show the scene of him making Miles say "I love you" in front of everybody at school. Yes, and the the dad is doing it through his cop car speakers. Say yeah, "I love you, Dad." So Miles, I love you, Dad. That's a copy. It's so funny. It's very funny. It's. That that is a great. It, that really is good that it's in the trailer because it really exemplifies the warmth of this movie and the humor. Yeah. It's it's both sentimental but not too schmaltzy. It's really cool. It is very funny, but it's very sweet at the same time. It kind of does both those things. Yeah, and um, and Miles. A big difference between Miles and Peter Parker, and I think they could play this up more, is that Miles has a loving family that's around. Like Peter grew up in a hostile yeah. world. An emotionally yeah. hostile, especially Steve Ditko Spider Man. And I think I say this. I think that's why I said I want another movie with more Miles in it. Is because my one real complaint about this movie is that I still don't have a strong feeling for Miles uh, and how he's different than the Peter Parker I grew up with. And the fact that he has his parents and has like a criminal uncle is very different. Very different. And that should create like he should still be fun and funny and exciting. But that should lead to different decisions than Peter Parker could make. Yep. And I would love a movie that shows me what Miles would do in a situation where I'd be like, oh, Peter wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And that's good and bad, depending on the situation. I think that's great. I want that sort of separation of those two characters more. Yeah. And I didn't get that in this movie. And that's a stupid nitpick, maybe, because Miles has got a lot of personality for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, his want to be cool is very fun. Yeah. Um, his relationship with his parents and, and his uncle is really cool and fun. But I, at the end of the day, he doesn't seem that different than classic Peter Parker to me. I think you need, yeah, it's interesting. It's very tough because like you want certain things to always be true about Spider-Man yet you want miles to be distinct. That's a tough line to walk. Here's a weird yes. thing. It's kind of like the doctor who's <laughs> like uh, if you're a fan of doctor who, like, you want there are certain things you always want to be true about your doctor, but you also want them to be distinct. Uh, and I think that's been hit or miss depending on who you know which doctor you're talking about. Like you kind of always want them yeah. to be like a wise ass and unconventional and sort of Columbo Sherlock Holmesy eccentric, you know, um, curmudgeonly. And you want a little flavor somehow for each one. Yeah, I want my Spider Man to be funny, kind of wise cracking in the face of uh, Tension, danger. Yeah. You want him to be, but, a, undi- but have a good heart, undeniably deep down, good. Like yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I would like if I was going to do Miles, I would want to see the side of him that like was also sort of raised by a criminal. Interesting. <laughs> the one that sort of is like, I'm going to break this rule. Now here's where. Um, yeah, I agree. And the other thing they don't exploit well, I think, and it's tough to do this, is the racial aspect. Like, I think you need sure a black that has to be. A- that should be a part of it too, for a, sure. Um, um, and it's really interesting that his dad's a cop. Like, I think you need a black creative team or a Puerto Rican creative team. His mom's Puerto Rican. And what's your relationship to the police when you grew up in New York City and you're a, a kid of color, but your dad's a cop? Um, that's that's interesting. That could be talked about. You know, Spidey, as done by Steve Ditko, is very pro police, pro law and order. Um, but what about a kid who grows up? in a city where there's still racism and he's a good kid. I mean, there's, there's some chance there's some real nuance there. That's, that's difficult to get at, but I think the right creative team could do it. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, this movie wasn't, this movie wasn't the place for that. 
it's harder for me to talk about because obviously I'm a white man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I am. A, I would love to see that dug into. Actually, I think I'm the guy. I think I'm the guy you? who should tackle this story. I think I should do it. Um, no, not obviously not. But like that's just that the potential's there, and uh, that that I'd be interested to read about that. Um, what do we think of the other Spider-Man? So then the next Spider-Man we meet is Jake Johnson's Spider-Man. Right. And he's not our Spider-Man either. This Spider-Man is a screw-up. Yeah, he's a, a deadbeat kind of. Yeah, his, he, is, he got married, but it fell apart, and he's divorced. And it, he sort of let it ruin his life. He's got a pot belly. Um, his life's a bit of a wreck. He has no interest in training Miles. Yes. And it doesn't seem like he's that great a hero anymore at this point in his universe. Yeah, he seems kind of... Uh, he's, he's let his uh, problems derail him. Yeah, and uh, he's therefore maybe a more interesting character for the story than the Chris Pine Spider-Man was allowed to be. For sure a funnier character. Yeah, he's really like cynical Jake, and sarcastic. Jake Johnson has become such a funny performer. And we've known Jake now a long time. Yeah, we used to see Jake do improv back in the day. Yeah, and he was funny. Yep. But I never would have picked he's, him. This is I'm wrong on this, but I, he was not a guy I was like, this guy's going places. <laughs> Yeah, I did not see him and go, this guy's going to be a superstar and going to be like somebody that I think is one of the funniest voices in comedy. But he really is. He really is, and this is the perfect role for him. Uh, He's so good. Even in the trailers when I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for sort of the screw-up Peter Parker. Um, there is still goodness in him. He was a hero once. He's still Spider-Man, right? He's still funny and good and does the right thing. When when push comes to shove, he's doing the right thing. Yep. But he's just, especially compared to Chris Pine's Spider-Man, but even compared to our Spider-Man, who I would say is, um, I don't know, a more adult, uh, adult version of Tom Holland or, or Tobey Maguire, he is way less put together than either of those guys. Yeah. He's a wreck, and it's very funny. Um, yes. So he begrudgingly takes up the mantle of training Miles because he wants to go home and he needs Miles' help. Yes. And he does feel for Miles. Miles guilts him into it, and he does. he begrudgingly is like, I got to take care of this kid. Like there's a sequence pretty early on when he meets Miles and Miles has a device that is supposed to be able to undo the machine that is kind of causing these dimensions to all sort of merge. Yeah. And uh, it's called like a key, I guess, or a something. Goober. But but yeah, Jake Johnson just keeps calling it a goober. Yeah. There's always, he's like, there's always a key or a code or a device or a microchip. So I just call them all goobers. Right. Which is, both true to Spider-Man, but also true to his character of sort of being a guy who doesn't like really, he's not going to get into the details. He's not wowed by it. Yeah, he's not wowed by it. He's sort of he's sort of uh, simplifying it too much. There is, which also shows like he doesn't fully understand it, but he doesn't need to. He doesn't, you know. And it's it's both true to Spider-Man, and even more true to this version of Spider-Man in like a perfect way. I'm gonna I want a name for this, but there this that device is sort of always present in modern reboots of like old mythologies, which is like we're not gonna be too reverent about the thing that we're doing and we're gonna find a way through the character, through a character, or through something to let us be irreverent about certain aspects of the character's story. I feel like this is a Joss Whedon thing, which is like, we're going to assume you're so hip to the story that we don't need to say with great power comes great responsibility. Like that's tired. So we're not going to hit yeah. that too much. Um, certain tropes are so well known by you that we're going to be above it because we assume you, the audience are above it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and Jake Johnson's character is the guy that lets us do this here. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all, you know, isn't there a point where he's like, they're eavesdropping on the kingpin, ordering a henchman. Jake Johnson says to Miles, Get, he's going to say, you've got 24 hours. And the next thing is kingpin goes, you have 24 hours, right? And then Jake Johnson yeah. like shrugs and is like, see? And like they make fun of the tropes a little bit. There's always a way to do that in these in these stories. Like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. kind of does that in, in, in Marvel movies a lot. Yeah, the, the Jake Johnson character's movie has just been through it all so much that it's all so obvious to him. And he's sort of tired of it in a way. Uh uh, that if you think of the Chris Pine characters here, he would still be treating it serious. Yeah. Even though he'd probably still be making jokes. It'd just be a different kind of joke. Yeah, He's a more upstanding uh, hero type. Uh, a really funny convention to this movie is because there's so many Spider-Men, they each tell us their origin. And when they tell us their origin, yeah. it's always formatted the yeah. exact same way and they frame it with the same words. I was bitten by a radioactive yeah, spider. Up. For the last blank amount of time, I've been the one and only Spider-Man. And it begins with just like uh, the first one is Chris Pine. And he goes, you know, this story, which is also a nice way to tell the audience. Like we know 
there's been so many Spider-Man origin movies. Yeah. It's sort of acknowledging it's like, yeah, it's another origin. So let's just zip through it, hit the basics. But then that becomes like an important aspect of the movie to introduce all these different spider characters and also show you what Miles is going through. Yeah. But yeah, so Chris Pine tells the story. And they also sort of poke fun at the existing uh, Spider-Man in our universe, right? They talk about, they make fun of Spider-Man 3. Yes. Uh, when Chris Pine does his thing, he, he's going through, I've done this, I've done this, I've saved the world, I lost my uncle, I got married, I also did this. And then they refer to the dancing sequence in Spider-Man 3. He goes, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, they talk about the ice cream pop that we all know that Spider-Man has sold in those ice cream trucks. Yep. Uh, lots of things like that are sort of dropped in there, which is sort of very fun. And then, yeah, we then when we get to the Jake Johnson version, we see how his life is different. Yes. I got married. It didn't work out. Um, yes. And then when we meet Spider-Gwen is the next He's like crying in bed. He's like crying in bed eating. Like when he gets sucked into our in Miles' universe, he like tries to bring a slice of pizza with him. That's his first instinct. Yeah. That's, oh God, that's such a funny part. And they do those origin issues for all the other characters as well, right? Um, yes, we see like Spider Gwen uh, really quickly. She seems really cool. Yeah, her big difference is that she got the powers, and in her, in her universe, and when she got her powers, uh, Spider Man or Peter Parker was jealous of this Spider Man, and so he experimented on himself and turned himself into a lizard, like Kurt Connors. Oh. And in defeating him, he got killed. And Spider-Gwen blames herself. Like, if I hadn't become Spider-Man, Peter Parker would still be alive. Yeah. So that's, like, one of the things that all Spider-Men have. They have someone they feel guilty about letting down. Yeah. Uh, and she's also in a rock band called the Mary Janes. I love it. With Mary <laughs> Jane, Glory Grant, and maybe Betty Brant. I love it. Um, she's the drummer. And then we see Spider-Ham and Spider-Man Noir and the anime spider um, all at the same time, because by that point we've heard a lot of these. Yeah, we hear all their origins at the same time. That's so, and it's so fun. Yeah, uh, um, and Spider Ham. I can't believe Spider Ham is in a movie. I can't believe it either. It is crazy to me that this character that is a joke. Yep, a dumb joke. A dumb joke that really existed for a kids comic that we bought. We bought Spider Ham issues. Yeah, it was a one shot that led into a star comic series that ran like. 15 issues it yeah. wasn't successful then yeah. became like a backup story in marvel tales yeah for like another two years and then that's it sort of like after that it would just sort of be like they'd bring him back once in a while as a joke yeah he's a he's a reference to make he's a punchline and in his origin he is a spider that was bitten by a pig <laughs> that turned into spider ham yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's just backwards for no reason other than like, it was a joke comic. Yeah. And they are true to that in this movie. <laughs> John Mulaney is so funny in this part. He is very funny. Um, his line, uh, do animals talk in this world? Because I don't want to freak him out is such a funny line. Yeah. Um, I also love when they're, when they introduce him, when Miles Morales is at Aunt May's house and she's got like a bunker and he goes into the bunker. Um and he meets Spider Noir, Spider Man Noir, and the anime Spider Man. And he doesn't see Spider Ham, and he's like, "Could this get any weirder?" And Spider Ham goes, "It can get weirder," and then like <laughs> walks in. And of course, his character thinks it's weird because his hands are wet. But um, it is such a funny moment in the movie. Oh god! And the Spider Man Noir character, everything you said got me good. It was great. Uh, Nick Cage as Spider Man Noir is brilliantly funny. Uh, like when they're showing him for the first time and his coat is blowing and we hear the comment is like, is there wind in here? And he goes, <laughs> wherever, right, I, yeah. wherever I go, there is wind and the wind always smells like the rain. Like he's always saying these very dramatic noir things. He's also black and white, so he's fascinated by a Rubik's Cube, which has color and he can't, can't get it. Yeah, he just keeps looking at it going, it's blue. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, he's sort of like an Adam West Batman kind of character in terms of his like manner. A little bit, yeah. He uh, takes really, everything too seriously. So fun. Um, it's also very funny when they all say, we all have our Uncle Ben. My Uncle Ben, or like, we, all have a, we all have an uncle. Mine was Uncle Ben. And then someone else goes, mine was Peter Parker. And he goes, mine was Uncle Benjamin. <laughs> Which is just, yeah. Even that's like such a funny distinction. Yeah. And Animes was her father, right? She lost her father. Uh, yes. Her father uh, who like made robots or something. 
Uh, I was really, I was really moved. I was moved by all the Spider Spider Man stories. There's moments where they all take it very seriously, and when they see Miles, they feel bad for Miles. Yeah, um, they think he's over. They think he's not up to it. But they're but they're on his side. They know what he's going. I he lo- also I love just got team. his powers. They've all they're all experienced. It's reasonable. It's totally reasonable. Um, the final battle in this movie is so beautifully drawn. I love how abstract and strange it is. Yeah, it happens like where this uh, rift is being opened up, and so like it's almost Doctor Strange like things are floating in various directions. Um, there's just uh, colors and 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 shapes. As there's well sort of as, a, like, a collage thing going on because there's sort of like yeah. one art style merges with a different art style. Yeah, and like it's you can't really tell which way it's up or down. Uh, it's really it's perfect for a character who can leap around and stick to things. And yeah. Uh, and Miles saves the day. So yes, at the end of it all, uh, Miles, because uh, it becomes a certain point where they don't think Miles is up to it. So their plan is for everyone else to go back to their universes, and for Peter Parker, Jake Johnson, Spider Man, to close the portal, stranding himself in Miles's universe where he will eventually oh. die because he doesn't fit there. Yes, but someone has to do it, and they, Miles just isn't up to it, and they're not going to make him because they're Spider Man. Um, but then Miles is Spider Man as well, and he's going to do it. Oh, it's so I was so heartwarmed by his his rise. Um, uh, yes, the, the the dramatic sense of duty that all the Spider Men have is kind of cool. And it's what's interesting in this also we skipped over it a little bit is that uh, Miles's uncle, Uncle Aaron, yeah, um, Aaron. who is a villain, yeah, it gets killed because he doesn't want to kill Miles. That's right. And so he, he is... gets killed, and so Miles feels his guilt is over his uncle that he couldn't save his uncle, even though that sort of like his uncle got himself into that problem way more than anybody else's uncle Ben's like our Peter Parker, the amazing fantasy Peter Parker. It was his right. But indirectly he didn't kill his uncle. He didn't kill his uncle, but he did act irresponsibly. And that led yes. to it. Um, yeah. uh, that's not true of miles. Miles had no active irresponsibility, but if miles wasn't Spider-Man, this uncle would still be alive. Yes. Or, he true. would not have been, he would not have, shirked back from killing anyone else you can argue he should maybe have been killed but or at least be put in jail yeah um but he still has the person he feels responsible about letting yeah in the comics that uncle is alive i believe yeah um but i like that moment where his uncle's killed and he's really down about it and all the other spider-men are like this we get i think spider-man even says it goes there's nobody else who understands you more yeah and then miles has to leave and and uh the prowler's brother finds him Oh, it's devastating. Uh, the dad finds his brother dead. Um, yeah. you, you must have felt like this would be like if I found Will, my evil villain brother, dead. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know why he's so sad. <laughs> you it just seem sort of like, it's just sort of like, yeah, we saw this coming, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you roll with it. You, you know, you're, you're like, oh, maybe he was crying because it's like, oh, I got to probably arrange his funeral. <laughs> just the work he has to do. Yeah, it's probably like that aspect of it made him yeah. cry. And I get that to some extent. <laughs> Sometimes uh, when your older brother dies and you're just sort of like, ugh, what a drag. This is really, I had plans this weekend, you know, that sort of thing. That's <laughs> um, a very moving moment when we find out that Uncle Aaron is the prowler. He's working for Kingpin. Kingpin assigns him to kill Spider-Man, who turns out to be his nephew, Miles Morales. Did Did you know that going into this movie? I did not know that. Yeah, so, so that sometimes knowing too much about these characters hurts it because, like, the moment I meet this character, I know he's the Prowler. When we see the Prowler later on, it's, for a while it sort of led you, leads well, you to not know. When I saw the Prowler, I knew it was him because I could hear it in his voice. Even though his voice okay. is weird, I'm like, I know that's the uncle. Okay. Because, like, I knew immediately that that was going to become a thing in this movie at some point. Um, well, said, I'm going away for a couple of days to do something. I'm like, he's up to something bad. It's going to be something bad. Then we see the Prowler. I'm like, that's him. I could tell. Good. Smart. I'm a smart you know your tropes. Well, there's the economy uh, yeah. of storytelling. Like you just know that like a lot of the characters yeah. are going to connect or whatever. Um, there is some fun. They do have some fun stuff where like Dr. Octopus is a woman. Yep. Um, yep. Which is fun because that character seems sort of harmless and dumb. And when it's revealed as Dr. Octopus, you're like, oh, She's I a- know that is a threatening villain. Yes. And now it's there. Yep. She was very threatening. It was a cool. She was great. Great character. Uh, just merciless and evil and just a wonderful villain. When she's chasing the Spider-Man through the woods. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's scary. It's like, I don't know how they get away. Um, what a great sequence. And that's when that's when Jake Johnson trains Miles because they have to. They're on the run from a villain. So he's like, okay, here's how you web swing. Take this. This is how you're going to do it. 
It's really funny. His training is basically just do it. <laughs> just follow me. Copy me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's more than Peter Parker had. Yeah. He's like, you'll get it. It's hard. <laughs> I, have, I have a friend of mine being out here in Hollywood who had some meeting at Sony or something and got to be in the room where they had all the pin- – on, on the walls were all these drawings and notes for the Spider-Verse movie. Um, and so my friend you – know, I'm getting the second hand. Take this all with a grain of salt in terms of both what my friend said and me getting it wrong. But it was something like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. here, Yeah, we're working on the Spider-Verse movie. Got any ideas? Are you a Spider-Man fan? Like, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, we're still trying to figure it out. And but the plan is to have a bunch of spinoffs. Like they definitely want the Spider Gwen character to have her own. Or so I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And yes, thinking, that's already in the works. And other characters want to happen, and me and other Miles move. I think it's smart. Like they want to be free of the MCU stuff, and be and have their own room to move. And anime animation is a great way to do it. It does feel like it's in its own world. Yeah. Whereas the Tobey Maguire movies, just it feels like that should exist in the same world as the Iron Man movies, even though they don't. They're done by different companies. But the, by animated, it really delineates the boundaries between those universes, really. Um, do you feel like you've said your piece on your, your thoughts about Miles Morales? My one other nitpick, and this is true of so many superhero movies, is that uh, uh, I wanted him in his costume sooner. His Like his costume. Yeah. Like yeah, he basically the very end. doesn't suit up until the very last scene. He's not like competent. He's not a competent Spider-Man till the very last scene. Um, and I get it. There's a, because there's other Spider-Man, you get away with it more. But like, I just feel like I got a taste of what Miles is like. And, you know, he's got these other powers. He can turn invisible. He's got the spider shock, but he doesn't really have control of them for the whole movie. Yeah. And it's like, oh, let's see what this guy can really do. We don't get to see that in this movie. And that's sort of a, a bummer to me when you watch a movie. It's like, you know, if I'm watching Iron Man, but I don't really get to see Iron Man be Iron Man. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's disappointing. Um, it's uh, I want to see the Hulk become the Hulk. Yep. I want to see Spider-Man be Spider-Man. We don't get to see that enough for my tastes. Um, it, it's a small complaint because I really enjoyed everything about this movie, but I wanted a little more personality yep. differences for Miles, and I wanted him being good at his job sooner. Right. I understand that. Um, That's the problem of any origin it, story movie or the challenge yeah, at it, least. It it makes this movie all origin instead of like a lot of times what you'll see in these movies is half origin, half adventure. Right. Like Superman, right. Christopher Reeve Superman movie does that. Yep. And I think the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie does that. Yep. He becomes Spider-Man, gets good at it, and then fights the Green Goblin. Right. Um but I get it. This story is different with so many different Spider-Man. I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how you change this movie to make him competent without changing too much of the story. Right. It's just something I I left wanting it. Right. Yeah. We have to do Peter Parker is our Spider-Man for a lot of the movie before miles. Really. Yeah. And I think that hurts it a little bit too, just in the sense that like, I really enjoyed the other Spider-Man so much that it takes some time away from miles. Yes. At the beginning movie, we get so much great Miles stuff, and then I feel like we get less of it later on. He's set up well emotionally in terms of his problems with being at a newer school and his relationship yes. with his dad. Like, that stuff is set up really nicely. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We don't get to see Miles as Spider-Man in full effect until really right at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's still great. He makes the right choice. He saves Jake Johnson's Spider-Man. Yeah, he is a good guy the whole movie. You know this is a good egg right away, and that's mm-hmm. very cool. Just like Peter Parker. Yeah. And he does. Does his dad? Does he tell his dad at the end of this movie? Nope. But he he basically he, he keeps it a secret. He's all but giving it away. But the dad doesn't realize. But he does say to his dad, "I love you." I love you. Yeah. His dad knows. <laughs> yeah, but his dad is a smart person. Uh, he also hugs his dad in the Spider-Man costume, which is so adorable. And yeah, his dad must know. Yeah. If Cameron hugged me and said, "I love you," I'm doing any voice. I think I, I, think I, I would know it. I think he what? would do it during the hug. Like when he's hugging him, it's like he must feel this. He must know this is his son. Yeah, I just think he would he knows I think like I think at the end of the movie he's like, Was that Miles? I think is the emotion that's going through the dad. It's such a great moment. The sweetness of this movie really puts it over the top. Like your heart is yeah. bursting at certain places and it's so great. I mean, it's also it's always great when like the villains have some emotion and the Kingpin has that too, because his whole plan was to bring his wife back. He had lost his wife because his wife caught him beating up Spider-Man and then ran out the door because she couldn't handle the violence and got like in a car accident. Yeah. And so he wants to bring her back. But even when he sees her through like the veil of these multiple universes, she's still scared of him. Yes. It's, it's heartbreaking. You you do. And it's the Kingpin then. 
Yeah. And also in the early scene when Chris Pine gets killed, Chris Pine says, I didn't see them. I didn't see who you were looking for. We don't know what he's talking about that time, but that's what enrages the Kingpin to kill Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all that stuff is uh, uh, very emotional and raw. Like Kingpin's using his emotion in the wrong way, but you can't blame him for feeling it. That's right. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just fun. Like there's lots of fun sequences. Like uh, uh, there's a scene where everyone's dressed up as Spider-Man at Spider-Man's funeral. Oh yeah, right. And Mary Jane says, it's up to you now. Yes. And Miles goes, is she talking to me? And the guy next to Miles just goes, I think she's sort of talking to everybody or like not you specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course, Miles has the powers and it is sort of being directed at him, but it's yeah. very funny. Yeah, it's great. Those moments are just great. Or the sequence where like uh, Jake Johnson, who's unconscious, being dragged behind a train. Yeah, Miles gets stuck to the Jake Johnson Spider-Man via a web. They both get stuck to a moving train, and they're like being whipped along. And the cops are like, "We have an APB of a, a child dressed as a cos- child in a costume dragging a homeless corpse." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all fun. There's lots of great moments like that. It's very funny. Jake Johnson is constantly making me laugh. Uh, Spider Ham and Spider Man Noir are so funny. I will, I will be seeing this movie again. I'm going to see it again. I have lots of friends that are here who have seen it twice. I, I, I got to see it again. I probably won't see it in theaters again, but I, I'm looking forward to it being uh, available on Amazon for me to buy or something. Yeah, um, I think if you're a Spider Man fan, this is a must see. This is an incredibly good yeah. adaptation of the mythology, inventive and creative. You, you at least will be fascinated by it, and I cannot imagine you won't enjoy it. It's so great. and so. So I saw this movie at a screening. Yeah. Um, a Marvel screening because I have a friend who works for Marvel, so I got to see it a week early. Nice. And um, at the uh, first of all, uh, a couple of things I can't believe we skipped over in um, phones. We saw Steve Ditko's name. Oh yeah, that's right. And we saw Sarah Bacelli's name and Brian Michael and Brian Bendis. Bendis's. Yeah. So like some of the contacts in their phones. But when I saw Ditko's name in the contacts, I got a little. I got yeah. That got me. Uh, Stan Lee is in this movie. Oh, that's right. The audience went ah when I when I was watching. yeah they went nuts at this Marvel screening. Yeah, and Stanley shows up and he and he goes, you know, he's like, "Will this costume fit?" It always fits, which is both a funny line based on the context of that scene and sort of a very sweet uh, statement. But they also make it a joke, right? Because then he goes, "It's both." Yeah, it always because there's no re- very sweet pause eventually, uh, which is kind of like you know you'll grow into it, and then it pans out and there's a sign: no refunds or exchanges ever. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of very funny, but it's also like a, a good thing. It's like, yeah, if you're Spider-Man, you're Spider-Man. All Spider-Men are spider you know, like, yeah, are worthy of the costume. It's yep. sort of being said. Yeah. It sort of does all those things at once. And at the very end, there after like the credits, it pauses and it says it mentions Stan and Steve. It's I love that moment. I loved it. Which uh, you know, who both died during the making of this movie. Yes. Yes. And I got real sad. I did too. And I love that both names are there. They got that right. And um, big and and they got a big and, moment. You can't miss it. Yeah. It's not like I'm digging through the credits looking for Steve Ditko's name for once. It's yeah. right there. As as it should be. As it always should be. Yeah. I was glad to see it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What a great capper for the year where both of Spidey's daddies passed on, you know? Yeah. it really That's a great way of looking at it. Like the fact that Stan just passed yeah. and Steve passed this summer. Um, and then this movie comes out, which... Just isn't uh, uh, isn't there? It, does it say something like "Thanks for getting it started" or something? Is that what it says about Stan and Steve? Something like "Thanks for making it so we could all." I don't know. There's some. I forgot. I can't remember how how it's put. I can't remember exactly. I, I was mad at myself for not pulling up my phone and snapping a shot, but I started just so in the moment. It's like thank. It, for- it's, it's 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 something like you got the ball rolling, or like you. This is all started with you guys. Yeah, that's the that's the sentiment sentiment of it. It's not the wording of it at all. And that, that got me. I was just like, yeah, oh, this is like this little thing they started. Amazing Fantasy 15 turned into this yeah. crazy movie. And a lot of it's it, nuts. a lot of it is still there. A lot of that DNA is still there. Yeah. The DNA is for sure still there. And there's so many new modern trappings and different aspects, yeah. but deep down it's guilt and a good heart guilt doing the right thing. Uh, and funny, a little bit of Stan in there. Stan, oh, charm yeah, for sure. Stan's humor is such an essential part of it. I and I think Stan's heart. Yeah, I think, you know, Steve, Steve's Steve's goodness, but Stan's heart. Yes, Steve, that well, Steve's sense. justice and his desire yeah. for like being a good person. But yeah, Stan's warmth. But filtered through the heart of Stanley. Yeah, uh, yeah. Got to do the right thing because you should. You know, it's like yeah, that yeah. sort of. Um, that's it's great. 
uh, I do. I I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm looking forward to when my son is older, making him watch it against his will. <laughs> um, I mean, the only thing I'm looking forward to more is finding you dead in an alley. <laughs> what if it happens? <laughs> this episode, well, you'll be, you'll be, you'll yeah, be, you'll be convicted. You'll be like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't do it. I'm just looking forward to it happening. It's, you know, it's, it's sure. Is it callous? I guess is. <laughs> Is expecting the inevitable callous. Yeah. I mean, I know you're a criminal. I would love to be as cool as Uncle Aaron. That's great. <laughs> I admire him. <laughs> that, that's the problem. That's that's the crux of the problem. He's he's the role model for me. Huh? You're watching The Force Awakens, and you're just like Kylo Ren is the best. Yeah, Kylo Ren gets it. Kylo Ren is. Well, I mean, he is cool. He's like he, yeah. he's the coolest villain in the Star Wars universe for sure. You're watching this movie. You're like, he's like, burn it all down. Yep. And you're like, yeah, burn it all down. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. Um, hopefully you enjoy listening to us ramble about it. Yeah, thanks for listening. We have one more special episode coming about the game in which you will see how I've lost my mind. Yep. And, and then we're planning to relaunch the podcast. Yeah, we're gonna we'll give the details in the next episode, but we have plans to relaunch the podcast and we will we're gonna we're we've almost have it all ironed out and we will announce it next episode. Yeah. So look forward to that. There is more of us talking at you. <laughs> In your future. Yeah. Um, well, good job, Kevin. Yeah, good job, Will. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Hey, everyone. I'm Holly Laurent, and I have a new podcast called Mega. Each week, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ross Kimball and Greg Hess. It's a fully improvised podcast existing in a fictional mega church called Twin Hills Community Church. Each week, we have a different comedian on playing a new character who works at the church. You can find us on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, church is about to get a whole lot funnier. Campfire. 